0: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives.
1: Hey, Madigan. Hi, Keegan. How are you doing? Um, I am okay. I am mostly very, 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 very add a thousand more varies after that excited because I mm-hmm. finally get to see Hamilton tonight. And I am <gasps> disappointed that it is in the medium that it will be in. And I was supposed to see it live in night Tonight? LA I thought it was tonight. tomorrow. Well, it comes out at midnight. Oh, I see. You know this girl. I'm going to. I believe the Starbucks around the corner closes at like eight, so I'm going to go down there at like eight o'clock, and I'm going to get triple shot Americanos for Max and I. He's never seen it. Like he doesn't know anything of it. And I am. I I've been singing and like rapping the songs all week, all around my house. I'm so excited. I'm going to cry the entire time. Um, And then I think I'm going to watch it again tomorrow with tea. It's
0: amazing. It's fully amazing. I have friends, you know, reaching out, and being like, let's do like digital watch parties and things like that. And while that is very exciting, part of me kind of just wants me and Anthony to just like watch it together because I, don't I want, want any
1: distractions. Exactly.
0: I don't want anyone to mar his first experience with because, you know, Anthony's listened to the whole soundtrack. We have listened to the soundtrack together, like all of that stuff. But I saw it live and he hasn't seen it yet. And I'm like, you have to pay attention absorb it enjoy it (laughs) yeah i feel the same way
1: and well my boyfriend is not a fan of musicals at all and so both of my bosses are musicians and uh their son loves hamilton along with me so i was talking to the dad who's like you know into like jazz and rock and things like that and he's like i hate musicals i hate them I cried in Hamilton. I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was amazing. So I'm like, all right, that's a pretty big stamp of approval for someone like that I can go back and say, trust me, you're going to enjoy this. (laughs) It's magical.
0: I'm just hoping. And I know that they will. I know that they will because Hamilton was such a huge phenomenon and it has such a massive fan base. Wow, the way I said that was super weird. But um, they... It has such a huge fan base that I'm sure that they're going to do a good job, but there's always something in me that's like, what if it's not as good because it's have you being ever,
1: filmed? Have you ever heard of the Hamelcast,
0: the podcast? Yes, but I've never listened to it.
1: Okay, so it's, I listen to it every once in a while. I haven't like really, really gotten into it, but it's the other co host of True Crime Obsessed that I love and listen to every week. And she originally, I believe, started the Hamill cast. That's how she started her podcasting. But she interviews like Lynn Manuel Miranda and like current cast members and things like that. And so she got like a like a preview of it. She got to see it before everybody else and then interviewed Lin-Manuel Miranda about it. So I was watching some of that interview and she was saying very emphatically how much she, you know, as someone who's seen it live so many times, cause she lives like right around the corner that she was saying that it was just as good. So I'm hoping, okay, okay. I mean, probably not just as good, but like, I'm hoping that I can just imagine I'm in a theater Well, I get my head in that space, you know? In some ways, it may
0: be even better because they're going to be able to do camera angles. They're going to be able to show you things that depending on where you were sitting in the theater, you may not have been able to see.
1: But there's nothing like live theater. It's true. Okay. Well, should we get into the actual news besides just the things that are making me happy today?
0: Yes, but you know what? I think stopping and taking a moment to allow ourselves a little bit of happiness, especially in these times, is especially important.
1: Do you see my eyes? Yes. I cried for four hours yesterday.
0: Uh, Man, relatable. (laughs) Let me tell you, though, I deactivated my Facebook on Sunday. I'm so proud of you. And it? has been lovely i have to say i highly recommend it i feel great <laughs> uh,
1: keegan what have i been telling you for like what listeners how long have i been telling keegan to like just get off facebook for as much I, as she can I know.
0: listen i know and i will go back to facebook at some point but i am very happy that i took a nice good break i'm gonna need continue that for probably another couple weeks Uh, not missing it that much.
1: Yeah, you'll know when it's time to go back. Trust me, I've done I haven't actually ever deactivated my Facebook, but I don't feel the need to check it as often. So it's fine for me where I can just be like, Okay, I'm not gonna go on Facebook for a while. And then I don't feel the need to click it for a week or two. And then I'll go back.
0: The only thing that I kind of not miss, but is helpful, especially for these episodes is that news is presented to you all day on Facebook. Uh, and I would get a lot of ideas for things to talk about in this episode from yeah. that. Uh, not well, having luckily, Facebook I have to go luckily, out of my way.
1: Luckily I've been dealing with insomnia. So I've been looking at the Apple news uh, app every night from about either four to five or five to six, six thirty every morning. So Wait. that's where I've been getting all my stuff. No bueno. I'm delirious. All, All right, right. So we're going to we? jump into some
0: terrible shit. Brace yourself. It. Okay. Yes. So, so I believe
1: Keegan, you wanted to cover something this week that you wanted to talk about last week, correct?
0: That's right. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up something last week because especially with the 4th of July coming up, um, Boo. A, <laughs> a lot of, of things are being brought up uh, in social media circles on the news and things like that. You know, we had a, a big kind of reckoning with race with black lives matter recently. And I just wanted to give a little bit of attention to some other groups that are still experiencing oppression in this country right now. Just kind of let them have a little bit of focus here. So This story is a little bit old, it's three months old, but I thought it was important to talk about because there are still children being kept in cages at our border, undocumented people coming over the border have been detained and separated from their families, and there was an evaluation of 26 people by physicians for human rights, and they provided a look at the psychological impact of Trump's separation of families, of his administration's policy for separating migrant families uh, at the border. And they found that it actually does constitute torture. So... Really? I mean, it's psychological torture. It, it is. It, well, it really I mean, is.
1: But, and to me, that should have been, I mean, I understand like why they do the testing and the analyzing and everything to actually say that, you know, we have the evidence to call it this. But to me, it seems so obvious to me. It just seems like a hostage situation, you know, to be pulling young children away from their families without any explanation and without care to me is obvious torture Right. I mean, and the U.S.
0: government continued this policy despite warnings from even people in the U.S., top medical officials here in the U.S. who cautioned against doing this for this very reason. So a senior medical advisor at PHR, uh, Dr. Renit Mishori, said as a clinician, nobody was prepared for this to happen on our soil. It is beyond shocking that this could happen in the United States by Americans at the instruction and direct intention of the U.S. government. So legal experts have argued that family separation constituted torture, but this is the first time that a medical group has actually reached that determination. So, uh, PHR had volunteer psychiatrists evaluate 17 adults and 9 children who had been separated between 30 to 90 days. Most met the criteria for at least one mental health condition, including post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive disorder, or generalized anxiety disorder, consistent with and likely linked to the trauma of family separation. All but two of the adults evaluated by PHR said that they had received death threats in their home countries. And 14 out of 17 adults said that they were targeted by drug cartels. So it's kind of a cumulative effect, right? So in addition to the trauma of being separated whenever you left to come for a, for, like, for a better life, you were leaving trauma already. So you had right. already experienced trauma. Almost all of the children had been drugged, kidnapped, poisoned, or threatened by gangs before they left. So it's really that old saying that's like you only put your child in a boat, right, whenever the sea is safer than the land. So it's like you think anybody is trying to come to our country under these like dangerous conditions for fun? Like they're doing it because they're leaving something horrifying and they're coming here for sanctuary. And instead of receiving that, they're further traumatized by being separated and held in terrible conditions.
1: And I think it's, you know, you, uh, when you were reading that quote, you mentioned whoever was speaking and I can't remember his name was saying something about, uh, you know, being ashamed of the American government for doing something like this, where we've seen the American government do this before. Like, we just talked about these Japanese internment camps that happened after World War II, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor just a few months ago. These are not things that are uncommon for the U.S. government. We have this idea in our head that the United States are the good guys, when actually there are a lot of things that the United States government is totally cool with that is actually very, very corrupt and this is one of those things. So I think for people who are thinking that this is a new thing need to kind of realize that this is something that has been used over and over and over again to try to rid a nation of a certain culture, race all together, you know, that they
0: determined to be undesirable. And in that's some what way. they're
1: and that's what they're doing. And that's why it's so important to educate yourself, not only just on World War II and what happened with the Jewish people, because I know that like everybody, I feel like even even the right wing people, you know, can agree that's a horrible story. But as soon as you start speaking about. Japanese people or Hispanic people or black people, there is something that is so different in the American mind where they don't see it as being the same thing. It was the same thing as when the genocide in Darfur was happening when I was in high school and nobody really cared because it wasn't happening to somebody that looked like them.
0: And that's what's frustrating. I've actually been listening to Tara Brock, who is a, um, Uh, She's like a meditation coach. I think she's also a psychologist of some kind, but she has a podcast. I highly recommend it. It's really helped me to like center myself, but she did an episode after the murder of George Floyd in which she was talking about dealing with racism in a conscious way. And she was talking about how, or it may not have been that episode, but she was talking about how members of the dominant culture, basically the dominant population there have been lots of studies that prove that it is difficult for them to feel compassion. You have to actually seek feeling compassion uh, for other groups because it's not something that is in your everyday consciousness, right? right. Like you don't have to tell black people or Latinx people about their trauma because it's something that they experience It's innate. It's something that's in them.
1: Well, and that was something. So I just finished uh, Sabrina Fulton and Tracy Martin's book, Rest in Power, the Trayvon Martin story. And one thing that his mother, Sabrina, was talking a lot about is that she really believed so much in the jury because it was these six women. And she believed that she got through to them as a mother. There was something as a mother where she's like, they must understand, and it's true. There are people like I would say that with the racism in this country, that most white people, their first instinct would not be to empathize with a person of color because they haven't been exposed to the same things. I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. It's just right. right. And also,
0: as we've said many times, like our education system is set up to make us believe that America is good and Americans are the good guys. And so it's very at odds.
1: And it's also very right. And they also, our education system is built to other people as well. So while we are raised to believe that America, America is the best country in the world, we are also being raised with such prejudice Against people who are different from us so that even when we read these stories in history and we feel sad and we empathize with these stories from what we feel were long, long ago and that were actually not that long ago at all, we are not able to then look at, you know, for example, the Trayvon Martins, the George Floyds, the Breonna Taylors of the world or the many, many children who are seeking refuge in the United States who are trapped in you know, horrible conditions away from their families. Like you can look at something historically and see that it was horrible. Why can't you see that now?
0: Right. Well, yeah. And I think, again, I think a big part of the reason why not is because we are conditioned to think that America is always doing its best, right? And like, that was something that someone told me at work once, which was when I was like learning how to be a better manager. And it was don't always assume that everybody is doing their best, Right. Like press for answers, because you can't always assume that everybody is doing their best. And I think having that mentality that America is doing the best it can, it sets you up to make excuses for things like this. You might be able to look at it and say, oh, well, that's sad or that's terrible. But I'm sure America has a good reason. They wouldn't be doing this if they didn't have a good reason. Um, Mm -hmm. But. So, uh, just to wrap it up here, um, people who experience trauma, especially children, have higher rates of medical conditions such as cancer and cardiovascular disease. This has also been um, proven with generational trauma in black communities as well. High blood pressure. Um, Yeah. And they have an increased risk of psychiatric disorders and detrimental coping behaviors such as alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, And... That doctor, Mishori, says something like that does not resolve once you're reunited with your parents. It's something you carry with you possibly forever. So even when these children are reunited with their parents, if they're reunited because there wasn't really a system in place to reunite families um, to, to keep track of where these children went and how to reunite them. If they are reunited with their parents, that trauma doesn't disappear It stays with them possibly forever.
1: Well, yeah, it's just like any other experience. We talk so much about sexual assault and things like that. And it doesn't just go away just because the person who is abusing you goes away or just because you've gotten older and years have passed. There are things that that's what post-traumatic stress disorder is. And it is so hard to get over But there can be triggers years, years later that will occur to you that you won't even know existed and you still will have to work through it. And that's why this should have never happened in the first place. And I hope, 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 hope that when these people are finally welcomed into our country that we are able to welcome them with open arms do what we can to help them find their families help them like give them a place to live I don't know it's just and genuinely apologize for anything
0: this situation because this never should have happened yeah it's truly devastating and I know that there have been things circulating on Instagram Uh, at some point maybe we can do an episode about it or an extended mini episode about it where they kind of show all of the children who have died in custody on the border. And, you know, it's a say their names situation. We need to recognize that there's a human face behind this. Like these victims are people.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. I think that's a really, really good idea. And I think that, you know, as I was speaking and not able to come up with any sort of solutions as I was being angry, I think that's a pretty good sign that I should probably look into, what some solutions could be. I don't know. I'm going to start Googling the Red Cross or UNICEF or something, because there's got to be somebody out there that's trying to figure something out that I need to know about. So thank you, Keegan for bringing that up and bringing that to our attention. I think that's a great idea for a full length episode. We definitely need to do that. Totally. Okay. So I want to bring up yet another two deaths of black transgender women In the United States. Uh, One of them was in Dallas, Texas. And I talked about the murder of Malaysia Booker last year in April in one of our mini episodes. I couldn't find the exact one. Google really let me down and there was no way I was going through the descriptions of every mini episode we've done. So... More trans people have been murdered in Texas than any other state, and in the last five years, nearly half of those numbers were in Dallas. Now, Mercy Mack was murdered this week. She was a 22-year-old black trans woman, and she was, again, adding to that number in Dallas, which I have to say, Texas, Dallas, what the fuck what I was speaking about, yeah yeah like what I was speaking about last year was the same thing it's they were interviewing the trans community in the area and they were just saying it's like we are aware that by living here that we must live in protection and fear every single day uh, somebody in another article that I was reading today said it just feels like we are out here as open targets because yeah. it's just happening at an absurd rate Another trend that we often see when a trans person is murdered is something that we spoke about in depth recently in our uh, Black Trans Lives Matter episode that we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, and- thing that often happen is that they are dead named uh, to the police and to the public. And the reason that that is really dangerous is because it is harder for the HRC and GLAD and the Trevor Project and other communities to keep track of the trans community when these deaths are not being labeled correctly. Uh, it's, it's harder... Also-
0: Incredibly disrespectful, just well, it is. in general.
1: Yeah, so glad President Kate Ellis said using the birth name implies that the trans person's actual lived identity is somehow not real. And that's true. And that was something that I had never heard of a dead name until after I covered Sylvia Rivera. Last year, two years ago, I don't remember when I covered Sylvia Rivera. Two years ago, yeah, yeah. But we had a lovely listener call in to us and uh, let me know what a dead name is because I mentioned the name that Sylvia was born with, and uh, now that I have more information and understand how uh, dangerous <laughs> it is and how disrespectful it is, um, it needs to be known by law enforcement to make sure that they are, you know, gendering their victims correctly. Well, yes,
0: it's important also because, like you said, for us to have accurate numbers of violence against a marginalized group, it needs to be reported that way. Or else people are not going to be aware to them because of the way that they have reported on it, because of the name that they have used. Uh, It's the same thing when we talked about Marsha P. Johnson. They said this is just the, you know, death of another gay black man. Exactly. And so whenever you are reporting on it as the death of a gay black man, it, does not, it doesn't accurately, accurately represent the violence against the trans community. Exactly. Which is really important that we have accuracy in those
1: numbers. It is. Because they're astronomically high. I was just going to say, the reason it's so important is because... They're so high. Uh, Mercy Mack is the 18th trans person this year to die, which is absolutely like, I don't know. I'm sure everybody is like this. Like time doesn't make sense to me in my head. So 2020 still feels so new, which I guess we are halfway through it now, but even halfway through, 18. like 18 that we know of, again. 18 that we know of, we again. we don't have accurate
0: numbers. Well,
1: and it, I believe we we are up to 19 because Keegan and I were discussing um, another woman who was unfortunately murdered in Arkansas. It was a 17-year-old transgender black woman by the name of Brayla Stone. Uh, She was the fourth trans woman to be killed this month, said David Jones. Second in one week. Second in one week, fourth this month, uh, said David Jones, executive director of the National Black Justice Coalition. Uh, He said in a statement, Brayla Stone was 17 years young when someone murdered her because we live in a society where it is not yet explicit that when we say black lives matter, we mean all black lives, which includes black trans women and girls. And that's something that I think is really important, especially now that Pride Month is over and you may not be seeing pride everywhere. I think it's really important that as these cases keep coming up for us to be putting them in the spotlight and making sure that people are remembering these names as well.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: It's absolutely devastating. Before we go, I want to give everybody a quick COVID update. Pretend I'm your mom and I'm here to give you all a lecture. I don't care if you've been social distancing and wearing your masks the whole time. That means this lecture is not geared toward you. Everybody else, listen up. Nanny mode on. Okay. The number of confirmed coronavirus cases per day in the United States has reached 50,000 On Thursday that is today that we are recording tomorrow it'll be Friday and it's probably gonna be thousands more Uh, the infection curve has risen in 40 out of 50 states luckily Texas governor Greg Abbott ordered the wearing of masks across most of the state I believe I read somewhere and didn't write it down that it was like if there are more than 20 cases of the coronavirus in your county you must wear a mask whenever you leave your house Uh, The outbreaks are also severe in Arizona, Texas, and Florida. In the past two weeks, the percent of positive tests doubled in Georgia, Kansas, Montana, Michigan, Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Ohio. Nevada has tripled, and Idaho is five times higher. Right, and here in Los Angeles...
0: Our cases have gone up and up and up, and we've actually moved back a phase. Mm -hmm. So we had begun opening things up. Uh, Our governor had allowed bars to open. Some dine-in was being allowed in certain restaurants. All of that has now been restricted. Restaurants are back to carry out only, take out only. Bars are closed again. So unfortunately, I mean, we're in a position where this is going to drag out and on so much longer and because i know people are going to say it i know people are going to say it um there have been multiple reports that have come out and said that the protests are not what has caused the spike now yep. Of course, anytime you have that many people together, there's a possibility for transmission. But in general, the fact that most of these protests took place outside with masks on, uh, they did not lead to the spike in numbers that we are seeing. What we're seeing is people who decided the second they were allowed to by the state that they were going to go sit right next to other people in a crowded bar or restaurant without their masks on. All these people who are refusing to wear their masks because they think it infringes on their rights or something.
1: So let me get into the main part of my lecture here, Keegan. Thank you for so beautifully segueing me into mask wearing. I am telling you, if there is even the slightest chance that you are to get within six feet of someone, wear a goddamn mask. Do not wear a chin strap. Do not wear it over your mouth. Wear it completely over your nose. Wear it over your chin. I know it sucks. I wear glasses. They fog up. I, it gets sweaty in there. It feels like a sauna. I'm breaking out. I get it. I don't care. As long as I can in some way protect other people, that is the least right. that it I is can about- do. Other human beings.
0: And people have been downright nasty. My friend Christina, who if anybody listens to My Worst Date, she is my co-host on that show. Um, she works for a restaurant that recently made national heard about news. It. They've been oh, yeah. on CNN. They've been on the Today Show. They've been on Good Morning America, et cetera, et cetera. Because they, there is a main restaurant and then there are taco stands basically like uh, restaurants and they decided you know what i remember her i talking to her last week when we recorded and her saying i think we're going to have to close down our taco stand locations because of the way that people are treating the employees who are telling them they have to wear masks. Now it's disgusting. It's disgusting. So uh, the employees are telling them, hey, for our safety and the safety of the other customers, if you're coming up here to pick up tacos, you need to have a mask on. People are so resistant to this that they've thrown things. They have spit on employees. They have called them every name under the book. They have cussed them out. And these
1: people... (laughs) <laughs> they're making what minimum wage. They're they don't deserve to, to be you treated like that tacos. And they are being told by the government who's telling their bosses that they have to wear masks. My friend owns a guitar center and he said that if there's any employee that is in their scene without a mask, it is a no questions ask automatic fire.
0: Right. I mean, and it's just, again, it's common courtesy yeah. to the people who we have such a lack of respect for Service workers, and we need these people clearly. Like, if this pandemic has shown us anything, it's that we need these people these people that you make fun of for having service level jobs or whatever. We need them, we are asking them to do something for us, we're asking them every day to put themselves at risk yeah. of getting sick just so they can give us our tacos because we want the snack we've been craving for the last three weeks. Exactly. Or three months. And then we're going to treat them like garbage because wearing a mask infringes on my rights. Oh, and it's ridiculous. It's
1: crazy to me how much it's happening in our area, too, because there was a woman in North Hollywood that went viral, too, from Trader Joe's. And I'm like, what is going on in the valley? Like I thought we were supposed to be the progressive bubble. (laughs) What's going on? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to us ramble on again in another mini episode. If you have thoughts on today's episode, if you have things that you would like us to cover next week or anything, please feel free to message us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. You can follow us there. We have a Twitter at YAMF Podcast. Y A N F. Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and we will post. I can't speak today. Hmm. You can also review us on Apple po- Podcasts. You can also review us on Apple Podcasts. Well, we will post you for. I can't speak. Post you for reviews day. Would Tuesday. you like me to do it? Please. <laughs> You can also leave us a review
0: on Apple Podcasts, where we will post your reviews on our Instagram page for
1: Reviews Day Tuesday. Thank you so much, Keegan. And if you don't already, please go listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen. And it helps us out just a little bit. I'm going to go take a nap.
0: Okie dokie.
1: With all of that being said, we encourage you to To read. on. Bye.